Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and all of my baggage droppers around the world, welcome to another episode of the Drop Your Baggage Podcast with me, your host, the self-talk engineer, Charles Wolfork, and I have an incredible guest today. And I would also like you to know that with the Drop Your Baggage Podcast, I talk to people that are dope that can give you hope and teach you a technique to help you cope. Now, please, if you are listening to me and right here with me today, giving your attention, your support please consider hitting the like and subscribe button. And if you are on any podcast platform, give a brother five stars and give me a little feedback and information. And this episode is brought to you by Brienne and Company. Brienne and Company is a jewelry boutique who makes durable, minimalist jewelry that uses genuine pearls, local shells and sea glass, natural gemstones, precious metals, and hand crafted designs ladies and gentlemen with brianna company you can see her incredible her outstanding her phenomenal jewelry at her website brianneandco.com and had her instagram brianne and company and now the way the moment that i've been waiting for we have here kyle s king ladies and gentlemen now kyle is an educator mentor best-selling author public speaker and so much more but most of all he is a father a husband, and a, a, a man of God. Ladies and gentlemen, I bring to you Kyle S. King. What's up, Kyle? Yeah, I, I love the introduction, man. I'm loving the energy. I really appreciate you bringing me on your platform um, and excited to talk with you today. Thank you so much. And I appreciate you uh, just showing up for your divine appointment today. Now, you are a phenomenal man, and I'm sure you hear that all the time. Yes. Um, so, like, please let us hear your story and how the genesis of you doing so much for the education system, but also so much for yourself as well as an entrepreneur. Yeah, of course. I, I couldn't start my story without um, giving recognition to my two parents. Um, my father, his, his mother died when he was seven. Um, he never had a father. He was one of 13 um, South Jersey projects. Um, my mother, she was pregnant with my sister um, at 13 years old, never had a father. And she also grew up South Jersey projects. Um, neither one of my family members went to college. Um, I was first generation college student, but my mother is now the only black executive with Volvo Cars of North America. My father has helped build um, communities um, throughout the state of Georgia. So I come from a family of resiliency while also being able to operate from a sense of excellence as well. Um, so one thing that my father used to always say, a few things, <laughs> one of many, is think before you speak, treat people how you wanna be treated, and winning is not everything. Winning is the only thing. And I took all of those to heart. And I took all of those to heart and thinking before I speak, really being intentional with my decisions, because I don't believe we make mistakes. I believe we make choices. So being like precise, being understanding, being intentional with your choices. And then when we think about really taking the time to operate from a sense of excellence, operate from a winning mentality. It's winning isn't just you win the end of the game. It's being able to understand what did we do that we didn't meet our expectation? What did we do that we can learn from? What did we do that we can get better in for next time? Whether it's a conversation, whether it's an opportunity, whether it's a business dealing, whether it's a relationship that we have with a person. It's not necessarily about winning every argument, but how can we bring our best to this argument? How can we bring our best to this relationship? So fast forward, went to college, um, dual degree in finance and international business. And when I was in my sophomore year of college, had an opportunity of studying abroad in Ghana. And when I was there, 
One thing that I learned is that one, the students there were brilliant, but they lacked the fundamental resources. So it's not that these students had some intellectual ability that they couldn't learn or any um, deficiency um, within themselves. They just lacked the fundamental resources. So I came back to America. I wanted to start a nonprofit organization and build international programs. And my father said, wait, I want you to think about what's happening in our own backyard first here in America. So I started to volunteer. I started to mentor kids. I started to see what was happening within our educational system, the lack of proper funding, the the unequal distribution of resources, the lack of quality leadership and training programs within our educational system. So I built a nonprofit while I was a track athlete and also a 4.0 student in college. And we ended up generating $100,000 within six months. And what I realized is that this student that was majoring and trying to master the art of finance did not understand business. And even though I went to the business building every single day, we blew the money, the nonprofit failed. Fast forward, graduated college, got a job, got fired. Got fired my first job out of college. $20,000 later, 30 days later, I launched my first book. I'm gonna say that again for anybody who didn't pick that up. So I launched my first book and 30 days later, I generated $20,000 and then that's all I knew. And that's all I needed to know to being able to drive what we've been able to build today. Fast forward, I don't wanna make it a mouthful. We've been able to build a platform that has 30,000 students on our platform. We help sixth graders to 12th graders around the world in six countries um, with entrepreneurship, real estate, information technology, and financial literacy. Um, That has helped me become one of the thought leaders in the educational space, published seven best-selling books. Um, And in those books, we've been in the books, we've been able to help over 200,000 people across the world as well. And then I was like, hey, it's not just about me telling my story. It's about helping others understand the importance, understand the power, and understand the real keys in their story, the diamonds in their stories. So launched a virtual program to being able to help people learn how to publish their story, promote their story, and then begin to profit off of their story. And then 400 authors later and $3.2 million later, we've been able to really change the world. Uh, Wow, that's incredible. So like you have given people an opportunity to become wealthy due to all these different avenues of income that they can uh, have. So with that first book, how did you... For, uh, so like, of course, you have that drive that you have been like that has been inbred into you since you were a young kid because of your father. But like, mm-hmm. what what was it that you didn't? I mean, obviously, you were an author before. So what was it that happened where you were like, I'm going to write this book, I'm going to release it in 30 days. And what happened as far as the marketing and, and the things that you used in order to get it out there and spread the word? Yeah. Of course. And, you know, for anybody who's listening, I don't want you to think that I had all the answers. Right. Um, It took me it took me two years to release the book. I just released it. And then 30 days after I released it, you know, I was really successful because of self-limiting beliefs, because of self-doubt, which is the number one killer, I believe, of success. I didn't think my story was good enough. I didn't think I was good enough. I didn't think that people would buy my book. I didn't I wasn't confident in my writing. I didn't think that I was worthy of being able to have someone invest in my story. So I sat on that book for two years. But when you're stripped of your job, when you're stripped of your money, when you're stripped of your car, when you're stripped of your computer, and when you're left with nothing, the only way that you can go is up. So what I did is that I I had just an actionable steps. I reached out to a mentor of mine, shout out to David Shan, Social Proof Podcast. 
um, Atlanta, Georgia. And he sat me down. He said, Kyle, what does success look like with this book? I said, it looks like 20 grand. I want to be able to sell a thousand copies. <laughs> I want to sell a thousand copies, Dave. It's $20 a piece. I want to be able to generate $20,000. He said, okay, how can you sell a thousand copies? I said, I have no idea. He said, well, who do you need that can be able to help you sell a thousand copies? And I said, I need somebody in marketing. So then I started to identify people in marketing. I started to identify people in branding. I started identifying people in email marketing and automations and all these different things I started to learn. And you know what I did? I jumped out of the plane before I was ready and I built a plane on the way down. See, a lot of people right now are, are trying to be perfect. A lot of people right now are waiting on the flyer. A lot of people right now are waiting on the perfect person and the perfect moment. But I jumped and I put a flyer together on Canva and I posted it. And then I went to all of my followers on Instagram and I said, hey, just lost my job. I wrote a book about how I leveraged this experience to be able to help me become successful. I think you should tap into it. I sent that message to 5,000 people. And in 30 days, I got a thousand of them to say yes. <laughs> That's awesome. And the story here really is that I sent it to 5,000. See, only, the people only heard that he generated 20,000, but I sent it to 5,000. So the conversion was only 20%. But what if I would have stopped at 1,000? I, I would have only sold 200. What if I would have stopped at 2,000? What if I would have stopped at 500? What if I would have stopped at 20? Because the first 50 people that I reached out to said no. There was no response. And there's a lot of doors that I thought were closed, like the door behind me, but I kept knocking. I kept knocking. I kept knocking. I kept knocking. And like any door, if you're inside the house and someone keeps knocking, eventually you're going to open the door to see what they want. And then I just wanted an opportunity. So I would not stop knocking on the door until I got my opportunity because I deserved it. Yeah, amen. And and did getting to that deserving part to know that in your spirit and in your soul that you know you are the one that can make this income. That is your right. That is, you know, that you know, it was within you, that greatness was within you, as you know, ET would say. How did you get past those limiting beliefs, bro? Because a lot of people out there are still struggling. Like they, they struggle with these limiting beliefs all the time, every day, that they have the great idea, the great book, the the great course, the great thing within them. But that limiting belief that I'm not good enough, that I don't deserve it, that I'm not something is within them. How did you break past that? That's a great question. So anybody who's listening, I want you to know that I didn't, right? I still have self-limiting beliefs. I still have doubts. I still have fear. But the beautiful thing about it is that you miss 100% of the shots that you don't take. I had all of these fears and I was like, you know what? Forget it. I'm, I'm going to try anyway. <laughs> and what's the worst that can happen? I don't sell anything. I'm already at ground zero. What's the worst that can happen in this relationship if I leave and I step out? I'm already unhappy. What's the worst that can happen in this job if I leave? I'm already unsatisfied. See, a lot of people don't understand that their circumstance is not their conclusion. It's just a, it's just a point in their lives that's getting them one step closer to their calling. So for me, what I did is that I just tried. I just tried. I was like, if I can get one person to believe in me, I know that two people will believe in me. I know that three people will believe in me. And I was going after a thousand. So I wasn't focused on this number, a thousand. I was just focused on getting one, one sale, one referral, one call, one closing. That's it. So I want you to take it one day at a time, one sale at a time, one moment at a time, and you'll be able to get there. The, the willingness and the curiosity of for you to e even be able to try outweighed your limiting beliefs. Because it was like, 
well, well, heck, you know, I ain't got nothing else to lose. And that's way more powerful than any limiting belief is that, like you said, you're at ground zero. Like, what is there to lose? You already have the book. I mean, people aren't going to make fun of you. Like, you know, what is what is there to lose? You know, so like you you have now built amazing establishments around the United States. And and the thing is, how did you build these teams? Because nothing is you're not the only you know, nothing is done by yourself alone. So how did you build these teams? And like, what did you do as far as turning these expert this expertise that you have with your first nonprofit organization into these amazing empires that you're building right now or that you have right now in North Carolina and other places? So anybody that's listening right now, one thing that I want you to learn how to do is turn your expertise into an entity, right? See, the first step is being able to hone in on your skill, understanding your gift. When we think about our gift, what will people pay us for when using our gift? I'm a speaker, I'm a teacher. So I was like, okay, I can go get a job that's paying me thirty-five dollars to $40,000 a year and actually be a teacher, or I can teach on something and get a company or get an organization or get other individuals to pay me because they're struggling with that same thing. Once you understand your gift and you understand what people will pay you for, then you have to write down, okay, what solution can I create and who is suffering with that solution? If you have a 10 out of a 10 headache, and you just can't take it anymore, where are you going? You're going to the hospital and you're waiting for them to prescribe you with something. Your target audience is currently on their way to the hospital. And when they get to you, what can you prescribe them with to be able to help them with their pain, right? So I learned how to turn my expertise into an entity. Once I understood how to do that, it's like, okay, well, I need a mentor because I don't know how to hire a team. But one thing that I've learned over my years and shout out to Dan Sullivan and Ben Hardy for writing the amazing book, Who Not How. My whole life, I thought it was about how do I do it? What do I need to learn? How do I get this done? How do I grow my income? How do I build my business? No. Who do you need that can help you pull off the big win? Michael Jordan couldn't win a championship without Scotty, without Dennis, without a coach, without a system, right? Tom Brady needed a system, right? Michael Phelps needed a system, right? So if you think about your life right now, where are the gaps? Where are the pain points? Where are the weaknesses? What do you need to keep doing, stop doing, and continue to do? So once I started to understand and be more self-aware of my weaknesses, I'm like, no, instead of me trying to build my weaknesses, I'm going to bring on people that bought into my vision, that bought into my values, that bought into who I am individually, not before, not as the businessman, as the person. And I tapped in with them and I'm like, hey, this is my vision. This is what I want to do. This is who we're going to help. This is how we're going to do it. I need your help. I was then vulnerable. I was then humble because I understand that I can't do it by myself, but I'm going to try my best to empower you, invest in you and be the best that I can be. Six years later, we've been able to build everything that we've built. That is phenomenal, man. So like with that ability to be humble was the the vision so, so usually within some type of exchange there's an exchange of value and you know a lot of the times with coaches or the different people within the the entrepreneurial space it's monetary value but like you know with limited resources and so on and so forth you can always give value in different ways what type of value did you offer them or was it that they just believed in the vision and believed in you enough for them to follow you to go forward and uh chase that dream that you wanted to chase I think so many times people make the mistake because they think their value is 
soiled in skill sets, whereas our value is soiled in virtues, is soiled in kindness, and soiled in love. It's all of these things, these intrinsic things that we can't buy, that we can't hire. It's a feeling that we create for people. It's a, it's a sense of belief that we create for people. It's not, hey, I can do this for you. It's not transactional. When we start living our lives, not as a transaction, we're able to create testimonies for other people. So my value add was that I'm gonna believe in you. I'm gonna push you. I'm gonna hold you accountable. I'm gonna love you. I'm gonna see you. I'm gonna respect you. I'm gonna value you. And I'm gonna try my best to make you the best of your ability, to, to make you your best self. And in return, I need you to challenge me. I need you to hold me accountable and we're gonna to continue to build. But in that process, what did I do? I learned a skill. I educated myself. So now I then gave them values, but then on the back end, I needed to learn how to actually become valuable. Understood. So like it was, it's, it's, there's an amazing book called Thinking Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, yes? Yeah. And with Napoleon Hill, you it sounds like you followed the mastermind principle. You know, you got these people together and you kind of, you, you offered the value of friendship. Like you said, that friendship, everybody wants a cheerleader. Everybody exactly. wants, wants somebody to have their back. And that's what you offered them. That beautiful, loving energy. Um, the energy that like, check the sheets that, that, that Jesus gave the, the, um, the disciples, you know what I mean? Exactly. Like, and with you giving and all of that energy into somebody, man, like there's no, there's no way else that, that they wouldn't be able to follow you. I'd follow you right now, wherever you're going. <laughs> <laughs> so, exactly. So like, uh, so you have all of these different things. You're the founder and uh, uh, the CEO of the Shine Institute and in, in North Carolina and the Queen City STEM school and the blueprint conferences all these different things like how did you think of all these different things was it just that problems that you were trying to solve or was it just like you expanding your consciousness or within the prayer of jabez you were expanding your territory if you will you know what i mean yeah definitely um for me i want to be a vessel you know I, and i i appreciate you sharing all of my titles, right? And sharing all of the accomplishments and the companies and all these different things. But I just wanna be a, in company of the other vessels, right? Everything that I've seen, everything that I've experienced, everything that I've been passed down, I wanna be able to pass down to other people. And the biggest thing for me, when I thought about Blueprint Conferences, um, shout out to a good friend of mine, because we were sitting in my kitchen, right? We were sitting in my kitchen and I was complaining about all of the different things that our teachers were going through. They're underserved, they're unequipped, they're mentally, they're drained, they're, they're exhausted, they're not making enough money, they can't buy homes and all these different things. And I was like, I want to start a conference and I want to put the best and brightest minds in seats to be able to invest and pour in our teachers. And I'm going to teach them about financial literacy. I'm going to teach them about mental health. I'm going to teach them about starting a business and I'm going to teach them about, about how to own a home. And we're going to do this in 30 days. And we sold out tickets in 11. And then I was like, you know what? With Shine Institute, I was like, I want to be able to do this. I want to build this program, this, this, this intrinsic program for kids. And I want to be able to do this because I want to solve this problem. We got 100 grand in six months. When I think about this author program, I was like, I want to tell people stories. I want to help them create books. We generated $250,000 in six months. I'm telling you this, and anybody who's listening, 
If your activity is attached to the calling and the purpose that God has put on you, he's going to provide for you. So I don't need people to provide for me. I need God to provide for me. And if you're operating and being a vessel on his, for his people and creating pro- solutions for the problems that he sees, you will never have to worry about where the next check is coming from. I believe that I've been blessed because I have just focused on blessing other people. Real talk, real talk. Like, uh, I, you know, I, I'm, I, was, I was a former educator as well, middle school, uh, social studies and English um, teacher. And I, from transitioning to that to an entrepreneur, I didn't know anything. So there's this one guy named uh, Gary Vaynerchuk who just mm-hmm. said, work for free. Exactly. I, didn't, I didn't know. I mean, I've, and I've heard Gary talk to me for years upon years. And I really didn't have any other business principles but to just work for free and see, like, do business development. And it's carried me to so much, so many amazing relationships that I have with people that love me and support me so much. It, it's carried me to a, a, a prosperity mindset that and a, an abundance of everything from, from love to health to just a genuine uh, relationship that I have with my family and my friends that I never thought that I could ha- that have. So like that has really fueled my, um, my, my faith in the creator. What, like, where did that faith come from for you? Did it, did it start when you were young or did it like build over time? Uh, like when you were in your 18, like, like when you're in your twenties or whatever, you know what I mean? Definitely. Um, so I grew up in a household of love, man. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I was privileged enough to have a two parent household. I was privileged enough to have a father that was amazing role model, man. I was privileged enough to have a mother that was always present and amazing. My father, um, just thinking about him, he always served the community, man of God, um, structure. And he was about principle and about values. Um, my mother, she was all about acceleration and advancement of this family. Um, I was an athlete growing up as well. So I think, you know, if you, as an athlete, we learned how to win early. You know, we would be down in the third quarter by 12 and we'd come back another quarter and win. We would be down, um, you know, in a race, you know, in a 400 meters, we'd be down. And then in the last 50 meters, we'd pick up pace and then win. You know, we'd be down in a football game, 21 points at halftime, and we come put another strategy together and win. I'm going to say this to anybody right now. There's another quarter. There's another lap. (laughs) There's another season and everything. You have to believe that. Faith, doubt is not the absence of faith. Faith is two things, right? Faith is like, I'm going to believe in the outcome that I desire. And it's going to create anticipation and you're going to be excited or faith is also, I'm not going to believe in the outcome that I desire. I'm choosing not to, and that's going to create anxiety and that's going to create worry. I choose excitement. I would rather be excited to meet that girl instead of scared. I would rather be excited to create that opportunity than scared. I would rather be excited to being able to build that business or throw that event or walk on that stage than scared. It's just a beautiful feeling. And I want everybody to feel that excitement, like that excitement when my first son was born, like that excitement once I first gave my first speaking engagement and people actually clapped at the end. The excitement when you score your first basketball, like your first point in a basketball game. 
And I've experienced it as a father. I've experienced these moments with my son and how excited and happy he was and joyful when he scored his first game, how excited and happy he was when he took his first um, walk into a kindergarten classroom. So I don't want to live fearfully when I have a son that lives so fearlessly. Yeah. So it's about once again, it's about taking that opportunity, taking that chance not living from a place of regret as well. That's one thing I don't think that you'll ever have is regret because, nah. because it's like, you've done it. You, you've taken the risk, you've taken the chance. It, it, it may have, have you ever fallen on your face? I mean, oh, of course. I mean, of course, of with course. The, the nonprofit organization you have, but like, have you just now been on this streak? It's just hot streak now to where you can't, you can't be stopped. You, there's nah, no- I can't bro. I can't. I'm like, <laughs> yo, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like Jordan now, man. You know, um, I'm, I'm, I won't lose in the championship round. Once I get to the playoffs, I will not lose. And the beautiful thing about it is the reason that I feel this way is not because of my ability, but it's because of my relationships. It's because of the access that I have to certain rooms. It's because of the information that I may not know in my mind, but I can make a phone call to somebody who has it in theirs. It's because of my environment. You know, I may be the smallest house in the nicest neighborhood, but you know the difference between the smallest house and the nicest neighborhood? It's still more expensive than the biggest house in the worst neighborhood. (laughs) You know what I mean? So I want to be great. So I have to be around greater people. Because that's who you're going to attract as well. And also... The thing that I, I realized about the real thing that I realized about me, um, even with you, like um, you helped me. You helped me quite a bit because when I researched you uh, after our initial call, you know, I, I didn't know who you were. And then I saw you on the, on the uh, Social Proof podcast and all these wonderful things that I did. And I was like, wow, this is one of the biggest guests that I've had on the podcast. It's like, man. Is that 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 little voice in my head? It's like, uh, what if you? What is what is he gonna believe? Think about you. What is he gonna believe? Like, what is he gonna believe? Like, is he gonna judge you? This, that, and the other. So I had to release that, and it showed me like, you know what? I have a genuine heart, and I have, I, I'm here to serve. I'm not here to do anything but serve. So like, with me having that within me, and with you having that within you that greatness is going to be attracted. We manifest at this moment. Mm. You know what I mean? So like that, Definitely. you're going to, you're going to attract that greatness for yourself. So like pe- great people don't want to be around slouches. And that's why you probably have attracted folks like Dr. Eric Thomas. And you've gone on the social proof podcast with David and Donnie, and you've done these wonderful things. What have, what is being in the presence of greatness taught you more than anything else? That you're great. You know, I remember being with um, E.T. and Inky and Jeremy Anderson, and, and I said, you know, it's a beautiful thing to be surrounded by giants. And they said, we feel the same way about you. See, a lot of us and someone listening on this podcast right now feels as if you want to be in the room with giants so that you can become one. But once you realize that you already are one, then the room will open so that you can become one. We have to believe it before we get into the door. We have to believe it before the door is open. And if there's no table, we have to then go outside and look at the trees and build our own table and then bring people. We have to believe it in ourselves before we expect to receive it from anybody else. 
So I was a CEO before I came one. I was an author before I came one. I was successful before I became it. And then the world, the energies and how everything, the universe then brought people, then brought a house, then brought car, then brought travel, then brought relationships and all these different things. I thought it in my mind. I saw the vision. I saw the vision. And then I was able to hold it in my hand. How how important or relevant is manifestation to you? I mean, of course, like with everything that God, like God just has a major principle and it's very simple. One yeah. word, ask, right? If you ask, then you shall receive. Ask, right? Yeah. So with that mental vision, it is a nonverbal asking. It's like, this is what I want. How important or prevalent is manifestation to you in your life? It's, it's, it's probably the number one um, thing that is, is most important. I feel like if you can't see something, how do you expect to achieve it? And so I even visualize, um, I create my vision so that when the vision is in front of me, it doesn't create me. What I mean by that is that I don't just visualize something and expect the universe to bring that back to me. I go and test drive that car. I go to that housing neighborhood and price out that house. I go to that school and price out what tuition would be for my son. I go then invest in myself so that I can get the education so that I can be equipped when these opportunities come. I then surround myself around the people that are images and mirrors of this vision so that I can continue to be around that so that I can be the fifth or I can be the sixth. So it's intentional vision, it's intentional manifestation. I'm not just writing a vision board or creating a vision board or journaling or affirming myself. No, I'm activating myself through activity. Activity doesn't equal achievement. Intentionality and being able to measure something so that you can meet it, that's what creates the vision. 100%, a thousand percent. For me, manifestation is a very simple equation. You have thoughts and beliefs. So mm-hmm. thoughts and beliefs plus emotions and feelings plus inspired action, which you're really exactly. good at, it sounds like, equals Definitely. manifestation. That Definitely. inspired action, after you have the thought and the feeling, you fuse them together into that vision, which is one of your superpowers, I see. Once Definitely. you put them into that vision, you go ahead and take action. And then it's like, okay, it's like a plan, a plan of action. All right, this is what I need, and how do I get, who do I, what resources do I need? What team do I need? Who do I need to become? in order to go out and get that. Oh, bro, that's a fantastic, man. Good job, <laughs> Good job bro. <laughs> oh my gosh, like you are like, I just, I, I appreciate this time with you, I really do. Sure. Uh, even though it's like nine o'clock at night over there. It's you, all good, man. it's all good. We was gonna make it happen, man. <laughs> Yeah, thank you again for for, uh, for doing this. And on the Drop Your Baggage podcast, we talk to people that are dope, that can give you hope and teach you a technique that can help you cope. With that technique, it is the mental and emotional release process process if anyone out there wants to do this mental and emotional release process that we do on the drop your baggage podcast please go to a certified practitioner of neurolinguistic programming or you can learn more about it and my um short case study video at eliminating insecurities once again that is eliminating insecurities and you learn so much more about it and you can also have the opportunity to book a, a session with me also 
um, Kyle, I want to let you know that I'm not a psychologist or a therapist or a social worker or any of that. I'm just an alternative to those wonderful things that you can do for your mental health. I like health. it. I like All it. right. Just, just making sure you don't sue me. Uh, and <laughs> today we are going to get rid of a fear of judgment. Can you tell us more about your fear of judgment? Yeah, man. I think, you know, as I was saying, I had amazing parents growing up. I just had a lot of pressure. Um, you know, being the first generation college student, being the first business owner, being the first six figure earner, being the first seven figure earner, like having all of these different things, right? I was, and I think a lot of times if I was to get off of a plane and I was to check my bag before I got on the plane and when we got off, we're waiting on everybody's bags. What happens is that I was taking everybody else's baggage to me to go find my Uber to go to my destination. The, the, the challenge that a lot of people face and what I continued to face is that I was trying to take the baggage of family, the baggage of my siblings, the baggage of cousins, the baggage of my community with me, but it wasn't fitting in the car to be able to get me to my destination. It wasn't fitting in the vehicle that can drive me to my next destination. And what happens and what happened is that I was so connected and bounded to the baggage that I would stay with the baggage and hoard the baggage instead of catching my vehicle to get me to my destination. Until years later, I learned like, yo, you got to let go of the baggage so that you can get in this car, take your carry on, get in the car so you can get to your journey, so you can get to your destination. So growing up, it was either you're the best or you're the worst. There's no bees in this household. There's no like anything under a 20 point game is not enough. If you're on that track, anything in second place is not enough. That's a second place trophy. We would throw it away. If you are not the best, the best is the expectation. So every single moment, if it's not the best, I'm judging. I'm judging. Is this the best that I can do? Is this the best? Is this the best woman? Is this the best talent? Is this the best opportunity? And then it's like, am I really, am I really, is this how I'm going to live the rest of my life? you know, and then it's, it's trickled over into every single thing. Yeah. It's a judging of yourself. In fact, yeah, because what I've learned is that all of us and anybody listening right now, we have this picture of who we want to be in the future. And that image, that model image, that perfect person, it's like, I'm working towards what was happening is that person was looking down on the person that I am now. So I had my mind so focused on that person that this person that I'm currently am all these accomplishments, it wasn't good enough because I'm not that person. So I was not comparing myself to the world or anybody on social media. I was comparing myself to a person that wasn't even created yet in my mind that I hadn't even got to yet. And then it was creating all of these false senses of judgment. Yeah. So do you have like a, an imposter syndrome at all with so sometimes like, I mean, of course you have all these wonderful things that you've done, but like, does it seem like, like there's just so much more that you just haven't reached that fullest potential as of yet, which you, which you haven't, but it's not a satisfaction that comes. No, nah, it's not, it's yeah. not, you know, $20,000 months, $200,000 months, uh, this car, that person, this relationship, it just doesn't, it, it, it never does. Yeah. And that's the problem. And so I've gotten around people that has told me and communicated, you got to celebrate these small wins. You got to celebrate these smaller wins. You have to operate from a sense of gratitude and gratefulness so that those small things that you think are small are freaking huge to someone else. Like I remember having a conversation about 
the, the revenue that we made one month and I was disappointed. And somebody looked at me and they were like, I, if I made that, I would have been able to kept my, keep my wife and my family in that house. And I was like, what do you mean? They was like, we lost our house because we were short $3,000. And I was complaining that month that we made 30. So when I started to see and be like and empathize with, wow, I was like, nah, something has to change. It's real tough. It's real tough. The, the weight must be heavy on you. How does it like, yeah. what is the feeling? What is the feeling of having that negative voice in your mind and having the, the weight of your parents and yourself just always like digging into your subconscious and making you feel like it's, this? It's, it's a challenge, you know, it, it's one of the things. And, and I appreciate you even asking this on this podcast, because a lot of a lot of shows that I come on, it's all about strategy. Right. Instead of really taking time to understand the actual individual and the understanding the person. So what I've learned is that it is challenging. It's one of the things that I'm continuing to work on. I'm continuing to get better with as well. Um, but it's one of those things that <laughs> it's one of those things that I have to be the best that I can be um, so that I can be able to serve other people to the best of their abilities as well. Amen. You know? Amen. Um, but I'm not going to let the pressures of the world stop me from being able to perform to the highest of my abilities. Of course not. Yeah, that that it's not it, it's not within you at all. I got a, I got a kind of a, a a difficult a potentially difficult question. How much do you pull back? Not pull back, but how much do you try to not do the same thing that your father did for you for your son? That's a great question. Um, you know, I was telling us so I tell you the story. I was on the basketball court with my son. Um, this was a few months ago and we were working on dribbling drills and mind you, he's five years old and I was so hard on him and he started crying and I made him run a lap cause he was crying and he was crying the whole lap. And then I made him run another lap because he was still crying. And then I looked at him after, and then I had a conversation with him cause we have such an amazing relationship. And I was like, he was like, dad, I don't want to play basketball anymore. And I was like, why? And he was like, you were too hard on me. At that very moment, I, I, it clicked for me. I was like, I'm being, I'm recreating something that I experienced. And I felt awful for like two or three days. And I remember when he played in his next basketball game, the only thing that I told him, um, I was like, you know what you need to do today? He was like, when? I was like, no, I just want you to have fun. And his face lit up and he had the best possible game yet. And after that, you know, it was a completely different experience. And I was like, I cannot recreate this pressure at five because I was so pressured at five and it recreated. And I, I, I reimagined who I wanted to be as a man, who I wanted to be as a father. And um, but I think I've set a good enough foundation on the front end to be able to have him communicate what he needs or what he feels. Um, so it's a beautiful thing that we've been able to share that moment. Um, and I truly believe that every moment that we share, every moment that we have, I grow. And so many times parents think that we're supposed to teach our kids and grow our kids and empower our kids. Um, but I truly believe the best teacher has been my son. My best mentor is my five-year-old. 
um, because he teaches me more about life, about love, about relationships, about business, about empathy, about integrity, about character, about values than anything has ever been able to teach me. So that one moment shifted everything for me um, so that I can be the best man and the best father that I can be. Wow, that's beautiful. Thank you so much for being vulnerable uh, with us about that. And that's um, it's kind of, I mean, it, it could have been hard to talk about because it's like, you know, we all want to seem like immortals, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, but but uh, to, to talk about something that, that hits so close to the chest, I really appreciate it and I honor you for that. You know, for sure. For sure. For sure. And it makes it that much uh, more amazing of a, uh, a blessing for both of us to go ahead and release this fear of judgment. So um, let's do it. So with the mental and emotional release process that I just love and have dedicated my life to, there's only three things that you need to do. Number one, you need to use your imagination. Number two, you need to follow directions just like you follow a recipe. And number three is to trust the process. Know that I'm your guide and I'm going to be leading you through this easily and effortlessly. Let's do it. Awesome. Now, with your time, we got to create an imaginary timeline. With your timeline, your past can be to your left, to your right, or behind you. If you were to know, where is your past? Behind me. Where's your future? In front of me. Perfect. That's awesome. Very linear, just like mine. Uh, (laughs) I And that's it. So... We're going to be focusing. I'll, I'll let you know everything. No, he's, um, is it all right with your unconscious mind for you to release this fear of judgment today and for you to be aware of it consciously? Mm-hmm. Awesome. What is the root cause of this problem? The first event, which when disconnected, that will cause this problem to disappear. If you were to know, when was the first time that you felt that fear of judgment when you were just a little boy? I really don't know. Mm. Um, let's go back. Uh, let's go to kindergarten. Where, uh, where did you live during and in, in, while you were in kindergarten? Where did you live? Um, kindergarten. I was in Grayson, Georgia. Do you? Um, uh, I really think so. My first moment of I feel like of judgment that I can even recall. Yeah. Is um as an athlete. So my father, um, he made a point. He was our basketball coach and he made a point of not starting me Mm. until I earned it. Mm. And when I finally felt like I earned it, I was always judged by my teammates that I was the the only reason that I was starting is because I was the the coach's son. And I think everything began there because I never felt like I deserved to be on the court because the kids didn't think I deserved it. I only felt like my dad was doing it because I was a son mm-hmm. and my mom was pushing him. And then the parents in the stands, they felt the same way. So I think because of that, it, it drove me um, and it created a toxic sense of hard work to be the best yeah. so that I can prove other people wrong instead of just being the best for myself. Yeah. Yeah. How old were you? Ooh, about eight or nine. Perfect. That's that's a, a great age for it. Um, awesome. You can go. This is a systematic the mental and emotional release is a systematic guided meditation. So you can go ahead and close your eyes and relax and let me know when you're ready for the process to drop your baggage. I'm ready. All right. Go ahead and keep your eyes closed. All right. Now, once again, just use your imagination. Follow directions, just like you follow a recipe. 
and trust the process. Here we go. Now, just imagine floating outside of your body as if though you were a spirit or energy. And just imagine seeing yourself from a third person point of view, hover above yourself and see everything around you. See the black doors behind you, the door to your right. If there's a window, see that. See the fan above your head and your blue shirt, the screen above you, the white chair that you're sitting in, the white walls. What color is the floor, right? Now, let me know when you can see yourself in the whole event, that whole room from a third person point of view. I see it. Awesome. Now, just imagine floating up above your timeline and float deeper and deeper and deeper into the past. Above that first event in which you felt that fear of judgment. When you were just a little kid on the basketball court, see your teammates and your father and everyone that's there. Let me know when you can see that whole event. I see it. All right. Now stay right there. Stay right there in that position, being the observer of the whole event. And now just ask your unconscious mind what it needs to learn from the event. The learning of which will allow you to let go of the emotions easily and effortlessly. Your unconscious mind can preserve the learnings so that if you need them in the future, they'll be there. Just tell your unconscious mind to preserve the learnings. This is an exercise of forgiveness and acceptance. Forgiveness for yourself and others and acceptance of yourself and others. Who do you need to forgive? What do you need to accept? Who do you need to accept? Focus your attention upon how hurt people hurt people. We're all doing the best that we can with the resources and consciousness that we have. We can't control anyone else's actions, but we can control our response. We can grow stronger and wiser and learn from people's mistakes and actions. Other people's actions have nothing to do with you. It's only a reflection of their baggage and what they're going through at the time. And we're better people than we were when those events occurred. You're a better person than you were when those events occurred. Very importantly, what is something positive and empowering that you can tell yourself as that little boy, your teammates, and everyone else, including your father, everyone else involved in the event, with the consciousness that you have today that would allow the emotions to evaporate like water on the concrete on a hot summer day. And as you preserve these learnings, the emotions are starting to dissipate more and more until they're all gone. Just let me know when they're all gone. They're all gone. Awesome. Now, what did you learn from that event? As you're the observer with your eyes closed, what did you learn from that event? That they were proud of me. That's right. Now, looking at that event from a third person point of view, what learning can you take with you into the future that can make you a better person from that event? You don't really know what people 
feel. And if we continue to remain optimistic and control our mind to think things to be positive, then we'll be able to create that reality versus us internally believing that we're not good enough or we're not worthy or other people are talking negatively about us. We have the choice and the decision to recreate a positive outcome and recreate a positive vision for ourselves. That's right. That's right. Awesome. Now, just imagine floating up above your timeline and float deeper and deeper and deeper into the past above the dinosaurs during the prehistoric age. Let me know when you're above the dinosaurs. I'm there. Okay. Now, as you're above the dinosaurs, flow deeper and deeper and deeper into space to where space and the atmosphere connects. And imagine your timeline is the size of a fingernail. Let me know when you're there. I'm there. Now, just imagine floating there, weightless, in space. And ask yourself, now, where are the emotions? Tell me, are they there or have they disappeared now? I don't see them. Awesome. Now, just imagine floating down inside the event, seeing through your own eyes as a little kid and check on the emotions. Tell me, are they there or have they disappeared now? They've disappeared. Awesome. Float back above the dinosaurs and then float into space to where space and the atmosphere connects. Let me know when you're there. I'm here. Okay, listen closely. Float very, very high above your timeline, above each and every event in which you feel that charge of a fear of judgment from birth until now in chronological order. Don't skip one event that has a charge on it. Preserve the learnings and let go of that fear of judgment all the way back to now. Go. Just like you did with that first event. Hover above each and every event in which you felt that fear of judgment from birth until now in chronological order. And just like you did with that first event, release those emotions by preserving the true learnings, by being compassionate and accepting and forgiving and empowering for yourself and everyone else involved in the event. That's all gone. You went over every single event? I did. You didn't rush to it, did you? Mm -mm. Awesome. Float down into your body, your body, and open your eyes when you're ready. <laughs> yeah. Welcome back. <laughs> Solid. Yeah. <laughs> Very. <laughs> How do you feel? Good. Good. Relaxed. Yeah. Relaxed. Relaxed. Mm -hmm. Relaxed. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Now, let's go ahead and test out, test everything out. Now, can you, uh, first of all, do you smell bacon? Mm -mm. Okay. It's just to get you in a different state away from that medication. Exactly. Can you remember a time in the past in which you used to feel that old emotion and go back and notice if you can feel it or you may find that you cannot? No. Awesome. Now I want you, I want you to imagine going out into the future 
an unspecified time in the future in which if the same thing would have happened in the past, you would have felt the fear of judgment. But it's the future now. So see if you can find that old emotion or you may find that you cannot. No. Congratulations. You just released a bunch of fear. I like it. <laughs> I like it. This is solid, man. Yeah. Yeah. A lot, of, a lot of people out there have not experienced mental and emotional release as of yet. Tell us uh, about your experience, about what you just went through and about the feeling that you have now, please. Definitely an amazing experience. Um, you know, went through a process to being able to remove my fear of judgment mm -hmm. um, by really going back to those moments, going back to not just the moments as a whole, but the first moment. Um, the first moment that we can remember and then working our way forward while working our way backwards to being able to remove everything. Mm -hmm. And um, it's interesting, even as I look backwards right now or look forward, I don't feel that fear of judgment or that fear at all. Um, so it's a beautiful thing. It's uh, transformational because now um, as an entrepreneur, as a father, and as just a human being, I can now operate from a place of fearlessness mm, that is way to go i love it i love it so like what were some of the main learnings that you got throughout your timeline yeah um that you're good enough um to not worry about the thoughts the feelings or the judgments of other people um to remain positive um to create the vision that you envision by remaining kind and loving um that god has your back and god sees you and that's the only person that you need to really be being able to acknowledge or, or award you with anything. Wow. You, you processed a lot in a, in a very short amount of time. Yeah, man. How many memories did you go to? Because every single memory is like a breakthrough. Yeah. You know what I mean? About, about six or seven, actually. Wow. In that short amount of time. Yeah. So why did it just click so easily for you then? Because all of them. So the one, the one moment was, was a trigger. And then I can see the different other moments and how they all kind of connected. So when you cut the cord of one, you're, you're able to cut the cord of them all. Yeah, exactly. It's like a domino, a domino exactly. effect. You, you, put, you uh, break down that one and then all of them just fall in, in order. Nice. <laughs> That's so awesome. Um, did you feel a visceral feeling? Like, how do you feel now compared to how you felt before? I feel free. Mm. I, feel, I feel relaxed. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Versus a sense of like heaviness as well. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. That's very cool. The, um, wow. Wow. You just, you just went on beast mode with that. I've never had anybody finish it that fast. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, where do you see your life going now without that fear of judgment? Um, well, I'm getting ready to open up. Can I put my phone on oh. the charge? Yeah. Yeah. Go for it. <laughs> so I'm getting ready to open up a affordable housing community. Um, 50 affordable housing homes made out of container homes. And one of the biggest um, feelings that I felt has been judgment and fear and, and if I'm good enough, if I'm going to be judged. And now I just, I'm ready to rock out. <laughs> I'm ready to rock out. It's crazy because with high achieving individuals like yourself, once you get rid of the, that, the, one thing. that one thing, it just, people don't think about like, oh, I feel like I'm just like, most people are like, I just feel so awesome. I feel weightless. 
people like yourself are like, I'm ready to get stuff done. Like there is no more barriers in my own way anymore. It's like full speed ahead now, you know? We about to turn it up now. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. That's awesome. So like, uh, what did you learn about your father? Um, that he just loved me and he really did believe that I deserved to be on that, that court. Yeah. Yeah. What about everything else throughout your life? Because it wasn't, it was of course that one event, but like, what yeah, about everything yeah, yeah. else? So, um, then no one ever really saw me as, um, inadequate. Mm. Um, no one ever saw me as, um, not good enough. They actually saw me as somebody that they wanted to be like, and I took it as a negative trait, whereas they saw it as like, Hey, we want to learn from him. Mm-hmm. We want to be able to learn from this person. And um, we want to be able to mirror our lives like that person. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Like, did you, do? are you experiencing a lack of, not a lack, like the, the negative chatter that went on in your mind before? Like, is that, is there, is it something different in your mindset? Yeah, it's now? like, a, it's, I'm trying to think of it, but I really can't. So it's yeah. kind of like, it's a sense of just clearness. Mm, clarity, yeah. Awesome. Awesome, yeah. man. Congratulations, man. You just released I a bunch of fear. Yeah. I, t- I told you I was going to be a blessing today. I told you. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Hey, and just just thank you. Thank you so much once again for showing up for your divine appointment. I know it's late there, so I will go ahead and wrap this up. But before we wrap this up, one more word of wisdom, man. You've given us so many different nuggets and inspired the heck out of me. I just might watch this instead of E.T., you know what I mean? But like, uh, please, one more word of wisdom before we get up out of here. Um, if you don't do it, who will? Um, if I could, if I had 60 seconds to share anything with the world, I would say that somebody committed suicide today. Somebody went back to a domestic violence um, filled home. Um, somebody's father or mother has a drug addiction and continues to abuse them. Somebody's going back to an unhappy marriage because they don't have resources or accountability. Somebody is financially going through a tough time and just got evicted. There's somebody listening right now that has the keys, that has the education, that has the experience, that has already overcome what those all of those people have experienced. And the moment that you stop being selfish and waiting for the perfect time, you'll be able to share your process and give power to another individual. You wanted to, you wanted to commit suicide and you didn't. Help that person that does. You were depressed at one point, but you got through it. Help the people that are depressed. You were financially, whew, you were in a tough place. And you were getting ready to be evicted, but you got financially stable and secure. Go help somebody. You made it out of a domestic violent home. Go help somebody. You had parents that were drug abusers. Go help somebody. You grew up as an alcoholic. Go help somebody. If I could leave one word of wisdom. The experience that brought you pain, that you overcame, You want to be able to take that pain, create a process and go give it to somebody else so that you can create power in your community. Amen. Wow. Powerful words. Thank you so much, Kyle. Thank you. And and thank you all out there for 
uh, your attention and your support. I truly love you all. You guys, I hope you guys truly know that. If you're on Facebook or YouTube or any podcast platform, please consider hitting the like and subscribe button. If you're on any podcast platform, give a brother five stars and some feedback. And uh, yeah, just you guys take care of yourselves out there and take care of one another. Peace.